There are fewer than 30 men in the world qualified to drive Formula One. A mere half dozen, perhaps, to win. At this moment, I'm inclined to think you're not one of them. This is Desiree for F1Weekly.com. I'm your in-depth correspondent. Let's go. Welcome to F1Weekly.com. My name is Clark Rogers. I'm the host of the program. I'll be joined by Nasser Hamid, my co-host. This is podcast number 967, November 28th, 2022, Nasser. Thank you, sir. I say attenzione. Ferrari on fire. Benotto may go bye-bye. The team goes one, two, three in postseason testing. And Nando, the machismo papa, got a brand new bag. Mick Schumacher checks into Heartbreak Hotel. We shall explain gladly. Now back to El Duce of Podcasting, Senor Rogers. Thank you, Nasser. On today's program, Bonhams signs deal with Formula One to have live auctions at races starting in 2023. Formula E unveil new Gen 3 car and completely new format. Richard Melee Racing closing its doors. And we have a fresh episode right from the farm down, down under. A fresh, loose, on the loose episode. And I want to remind everybody, it's the holidays and we need you to order your Motorsports Memories 2023 Formula One calendar called Crosstown Traffic with the Vintages. Please, just go to the F1 Weekly merchandise page. You know you want to. And on top of that, we need your contributions to keep this program on the air. Just click on Support F1 Weekly you know you'll want to. Nass, welcome to the studio. How are you? I am doing very good, sir. Keeping myself busy with some YouTube videos of days gone by, different series. And I understand you have received your crosstown traffic has reached San Jose, California. It has. It took a long, long time. But it did get here. And it's exciting my favorite, the 53 Swiss Grand Prix with the vintages. You could just smell the oil through the page. Yeah, that was from a street circuit called Bremgarten, uh, which was used for the Swiss Grand Prix. And it is very, very high on my bucket list. So my favorite picture, no surprise here, Spa. You like that photo with Chris Simon and all the cigar-type-looking cars chasing him. Of course, proper F1, proper track, proper drivers on a proper year. 1967, that is my second favorite shot. Awesome, awesome, awesome. As a matter of fact, I was already looking at it and visualizing it framed 
in the F1 Weekly Palatial Studios. Good idea, senor. Now, how have you been spending your postseason? What have you been up to? My postseason has been United States football. No, not USFL, but NFL. The Niners are awesome, and they opened up another can of whoop-ass last night against the Saints, which had a great defense. But Shazam, Shazam, we on a roll. We are going all the way. That's very good. Nice to know you're keeping yourself happy. Well, sir, the uh, hopes are also very high, floating high for Scuderia Ferrari at Yas Marina after the choppy seas of the 2022 season. One, two, three in postseason testing. Carlos Sainz Jr. completed 65 laps, which is more than the race distance and recorded the fastest time of 1 minute 25.245. Charles Leclerc did 56 laps and was second fastest for the time of 1 minute 25.383. And you may ask yourself who was driving the third Ferrari? Well, riding the third prancing horse was Robert Schwarzman with a time of 125.4. Robert is a young whippersnapper from St. Petersburg, Russia, but thanks to Comrade Putin's crusade, he is now racing under an Israeli license. He also drove in free practice at Kota in Austin. Now you keep saying, you know, he has the best car. Now look at this. Robert Schwartzman has never raced in Formula 1, but in testing he was, Charles was 25.38 and he was 25.4, which, like Nicky Lauda once said when he had a dominating car, he said, a monkey could have won in my car. So whoever wins the championship has to be in the best car. You don't win championships in Minardi. You've seen quite a few top-notch drivers drive there. But moving on, Max Verstappen was fifth fastest. New kid in town, American Logan Sargent was seventh. I think he and Elbon will make a good pairing at Williams. Machismo was twelfth. For the sake of health of the host, I hope he has the package to deliver his first championship since 2006. Let's hope it's not the same old song since 2007. What becomes of the broken-hearted? Next season, sir, we will have two new faces in Formula 1. Oscar Piastri from Melbourne, Australia. He was 14th fastest in the postseason testing. And we already mentioned Logan Sargent from Boca Raton. He is the other. Old man down the road, Nico Hulkenberg, is back in F1. I wonder, you know, I was thinking Mr. Rogers, because anything can happen in Formula 1. What do you think Gunter Steiner will say if Nico Hulkenberg has the same number of crashes as Mick, or if he has a, let's just say, spectacular but safe crash in the opening race? How many F-bombs will Gunter Steiner drop, you think? 44. That's it. Oh, same. Oh, that's a lucky number, I guess. Grazie. Exactly. Prego. Nico and K-Mac should be fun, like Ocon and Perez at Force India slash Racing Point. I give three races before we have civil unrest at Force North Carolina. And Mr. Rogers, you may remember a driver by the name of Lewis Hamilton. 
He was 17 fastest. You may smile even though your heart is breaking. Anything we should take from postseason testing in your low-key, soft-spoken and very humble opinion? Except for Fernando's times, uh, absolutely nothing. But Fernando was very happy with his uh, British test and the kidney pudding. Yeah, but you know, he has to say that because I think he got, uh, his time was up. He was going to be paroled at uh, Alpine anyway. So let's see what happens at Aston Martin. It'll be fantastic if he has a competitive car, but only time will tell. Sir, shall we do a goodie bag now? We cannot report on races, so maybe proceed with a goodie bag. Pedro de la Rosa has given his blessings. Oh, that, that's all I need. Thank you. Okay, this segment is called, How Did They Get Here? We shall take a brief look at the... Uh, Top three in the championships this year. Max, only Dr. Marco and Red Bull would give a teenager wings to fly in Formula One after only one season in single-seaters. And fly high as a U-2 spy plane is what he has done. While many will try to shoot him down for one reason or another, the racing reality is he is bloody fast. In his F3 debut season, he won 10 races, 6 in a row, and all 3 in one weekend at Spa. Esteban Ocon was the champion that year, but he has already been in single-seater racing for a few years. Max's performance in the rain at the German street circuit called Norris Ring got the attention of Dr. Marco. And Norris Ring, sir, is near Nuremberg, and this is the street circuit where Pedro Rodriguez had his fatal crash. Now when it comes to Max, cool as a cucumber in the cockpit he may not be. But man, this is very, very scary. If you can win more races than Ayrton Senna at the age of 26, which Max will most likely do next season, then you are definitely a hot potato from Idaho. You know, Mr. Rogers, he can even match or come very close to the numbers of wins by Alain Prost next year, which, as you may know, is 51. Any thoughts on that staggering number, sir? That could happen. I agree. It's, it's very scary when you start looking at these kinds of numbers. But Max is already talking in a way that he is not going to be in Formula One to get eight championships, seven championships. He's already talking about he has other interests and... Uh, the accumulation of F1 goodie bags might be less for him simply because he will retire early and move on to Le Mans and maybe start Verstappen school. He, he and his father can definitely start a school of hard knocks. Hard knocks and cheat talk. Okay. Moving on, not helping your teammate to finish second in the World Championship may be mean and selfish. But what do you expect from racing drivers? They are like fighter pilots. Their job is to shoot down the opposition. And as we all know, in military racing, your first opponent is your teammate. I do not see Max ever operating mercy flights. And time will tell if that is correct. But I have to agree with you, I don't think he will hang on in Formula 1 till the age of 40, 
whenever he wants to go. He's, he'll probably do a sort of a Nico Rosberg kind of deal, you know, win the championship and say, you know what, see you later, pal. And then they will call Machismo at the age of 52 to come and win some races. Okay, next uh, second was Charles Leclerc. He is generally regarded as one of the few good men who can take down Max. After the Australian Grand Prix, the only tune on his mind was, Baby, baby, where did our love go? And I think we are seeing that love, or the lack of it, in what's happening with Benotto. Like George Russell and Lewis Hamilton, Leclerc conquered every series he competed in, pretty much. He won the uh, Formula 2 championship uh, in his first attempt. He was also the GP3 champion before winning the Formula 2 championship. And in the very prestigious uh, Macau Grand Prix, he finished second. So he is a very good racer. Now we come to third man on the championship podium, Senor Sergio Perez. Mexico's most successful Formula One driver is a shining example of keeping your nose to the grindstone and keep on trucking. You know, he raced in British Formula Three and then he also represented Mexico in the A1GP competition, which was interesting. But you know, interestingly, just like Esteban Gutierrez, he started his single-seater career here in the U.S. He raced in the uh, Skip Barber Racing School Series before crossing the pond and started racing in Europe, uh, living by himself as a teenager. And he raced in uh, German Formula BMW Series, and then uh, he moved up. And I think he did three full seasons of GP2, or as we like to call, Habidos, and one season of GP2 Asia. And his best finish was, I think, 2010, when he finished second to Senor Pastor Maldonado. He really made his name in the tire management area when he was at Sauber came very close to winning his first race in Malaysia, which I believe was uh, 2012, but Machismo got in the way. So Machismo was second, um, Machismo was first, Perez was second, and you know who was third, Mr. Rogers? The man who started from pole position, Lewis Hamilton. I guess he was not lucky that day. That's the way it goes sometimes. Now, just like Machismo, Perez's contract at McLaren was cut short. He and Ocon were cutting each other's throat as teammates, but his current teammate is a Michelin five-star butcher from the Badlands. He only serves leftovers. No prime cut of filet mignon from Max's Steakhouse in Sao Paulo or Abu Dhabi and other fine locations around the world. You know, uh, Ricciardo is back at Red Bull as a third driver, and uh, now they're already talking about that he will re replace uh, Checo Perez. You have any thoughts on that, Senor? Well, for sure. I mean, he was hired for sure to be the Perez backup. I mean, their third driver, yes, that sounds all fine and dandy. But Perez could lose it. You know, he could freak out or something if things don't go his way in 2023. And he's not... A young man anymore so very interesting but I think it's very smart it's astute Christian Horner is all over it 
You know, I have a feeling what's going to happen, especially, I am sure he's putting on a good corporate face for your team and all that. I'm talking about Checo, but I'm sure deep inside he's super PO that his teammate did not help him when Checo helped him so much. So my take on this whole scenario is that he will definitely fall out of uh, favor with Christian Horror and Dr. Marco, and I think it's going to happen when they tell him to surrender the lead to Max, and he will do what Max once did when Carlos signs for his teammate and say a very firm, no, maybe he should repeat what Max said, I already told you. And I think that will be the end of his uh, honeymoon at Red Bull. And, you know, he did not please McLaren quite a bit. Uh, but these things happen. But he's in, I think he's in a very hot seat now. And I don't think he's going to obey team orders. So we shall see how it works out. Okay, sir, we continue our goodie bag with Nielsen Schmielsen. ESPN, the Total Sports Network, has released some very encouraging news for F1 fans in the U.S. According to them, the 2022 season was Formula One's most popular, an average of 1.2 million viewers per race, which is very impressive, an increase of 28% from last year. And we have a new track record for the Miami Grand Prix, which attracted 2.5 million viewers in the U.S. and therefore became the most watched F1 race ever in this country. I say kudos to Kerry and company. Chase was also good for chicas. Listen to this. Ladies watching racing cars do hot laps saw an increase of 34% from last year with an average of 352,000 ladies watching each race. And finally, flavor of the day, the gender split was 72-28. I have a question for you. You know, when they announced the race in Las Vegas um, a few months ago, one of the journalists asked, you know, the Formula One crowd in the United States is very fickle and it will, you know, the irrational exuberance will not last for many years. What's your take on this immense popularity of Formula One in this country at this time? Do you think it's sustainable? I think it's sustainable for a short while, but Americans get bored very, very quickly. So as long as people are, are having a good time and drinking a lot, it's going to be fine. That's why places like Vegas are ideal. It's perfect. Miami, perfect. A lot of alcoholics, a lot of liquor, and a lot of... Sin. As long as you stay close to sin, Formula One will do really, really good in America. So, yep, it's going to be awesome. And it's all about win, baby. That is very true. It's all about winning. And having an American driver, Logan Sargent, that should be uh, pretty good too. But I think, and I say this in a positive way, damage has been done. The damage is good damage that Netflix has exploded on mainstream Americana. So even if 300,000 people don't come to Texas every year, at least it will be a sellout. I mean, you can just see how the ticket prices are for all these races. So that's all very good. Okay, sir. Now, something from YouTube, which had been... You know what I've been doing, Mr. Rogers, lately? 
I've been watching stuff like Formula Ford Festival, which is, you know, at one time it was a major thing in England. I'm watching some old cars, DTM, historic sports car racing. And it's all beautiful. So it's YouTube. Basically, forget the Michelob. Weekends are made for YouTube for me. Okay, so t- today we have a, you know, I was watching a few days ago and there was this uh, document, document, sort of a video, uh, starting grid based on race starts without a podium. As we all know, on pole position is Nico Hulkenberg with 181 starts and no podiums, and pretty soon it'll be over 200. He shares the front row with fellow German and aficionado of champagne glasses, Adrian Sutil, who started 128 races and no podium to show for. You know, my everlasting memory of him is, at, I don't know what position it was, but I think it was a top five uh, finish he was headed to late in the race in Monte Carlo. And of all the people, he was rear-ended and taken out by Kimi Raikkonen. And do you remember him uh, crying? Many tears, many tears. And uh, I do remember that very, very well. He also lacked lady luck. Yes, and he was good friends with the master of Lady Luck and the champagne glasses clashing, uh, put that friendship to test. And I remember Adrian Sutil saying he will never talk to him again. But these things happen. Okay, sir, what do we have next here? Oh, row four proves the point. Apple does not fall, fall far from the tree. Or should I say the apple tree stays close to the apple. Uh, because we have Dr. Jonathan Palmer on row four with 83 starts. On row six, we have one-time Ayrton Senna teammates, Saturo Nakajima, with 71 starts. You know, like kids used to ask in the late four, in the late 40s, Daddy, what did you do in the war? So if Saturo Nakajima kids ask, Daddy, what did you do in Formula One? All he has to do is say, I was teammate to Ayrton Senna. Ask no more. Don't ask, don't tell. So sad. Oh, sir, here is my favorite. The legend of Edmund Fitzgerald of Formula One. The wind and the wires made a tattletale sound And the wave broke over the railing And every man knew as the captain did too Twas the witch of November come stealing Nicholas Latifi resides on row 7 with 61 Gichigumi Grand Prix starts. He's now shopping around to take his papa's billions and billions, and I will not be surprised. I cannot see him race in sports cars, but I think he might do some IndyCar action here. Row 10 is an Italian job, Arturo Mazzario with 57, and Alex Gaffey with 56 races. No podium to show for. Question for you, sir. Next season, who will get a podium first? Machismo or Hulkenberg? Machismo. New team, new car, a good Mercedes package. Whew, man, and Toto Wolf, who's invested in Aston Martin. Now Toto and Fernando are going to be much closer together. Their cubicles are slowly, slowly drifting closer together. And eventually, one's head's going to peek out, and the other head's going to peek out, and it's going to be Toto and Fernando. 
Exactly. And who do you think will be a first-time Grand Prix winner next season? Oh, first-time Grand Prix winner? It, it could be absolutely anybody. I think Lando Norris will get one. Mm, McLaren is not going to be there. I think Alpine has taken a step forward. They have. They will. And all of a sudden, it's going to be these two French guys battling, taking each other out a few times. But Alpine could be the surprise, surprise, surprise of 2023. People like Ralph Schumacher and Jensen Bouton have mentioned it as well. Yes. Okay. Now we come to Heartbreak Hotel. According to German publication Bild, Mick Schumacher did not get a text message on his birthday like KMAX saying, your services are no longer required. Gunther Steiner was trifle polite and gave him personal service. Few days before the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, he informed Mick of the team's decision in the lobby of the Rotana Resort Hotel. Very disappointing, so sad. Mick did not even get room service. Sir, do you like this kind of uh, hiring and firing that we have now common? You know, this Italian racer, Mirko Bortolotti, uh, he was also let go by a text message by Ferrari from their driver development program. You, you enjoy this kind of stuff? I love it. I eat it up. I think it's great. I love the way Elon Musk does it. Fire, 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 you're fired, you're fired, you're fired. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. It cleans up the whole lobby, gets rid of the riffraff, and then we can start with a nice clean slate. I like that kind of performance. Very good. Very good. Ruthlessness at its best. But, you know, this is uh, Formula One, the Piranha Pool. Okay, sir, shall we take a break before we uh, come back and... And invite uh, Louche on the loose. Well, we'll take a quick break. We'll have a little bit of a commercial reportage. Then we'll do Louche on the loose. And we'll come back with everybody's favorite, Motorsports Mondial, after Louche does his stuff. So we'll be back after this brief message. Our shout-outs last week. Let's get through them now. The podcasters at F1Weekly.com. Welcome back to F1Weekly.com. Clark Rogers here, your host. And now, as we spin the globe and go around the world with Motorsports Mondial and the king, the Swami himself, Nasser Hamid. Thank you, sir. And today we're doing a conscious long-haul flight to... South Australia, but before we get there, we're going to do a brief stopover in Maryland. I would like to thank one of our original and longtime listeners, Mr. Michael in Maryland, uh, for sending me a nice email. He has been listening to us for quite a while, and I appreciate his time and kind words, and hope all is well. And now we invite Mr. Lucien Byfield with his take on the season. So please enjoy, and we shall return. Hi guys, this is Lucien Byfield from South Australia with Loosh on the Loose. NASA, you wanted my opinions on the 2022 season, and despite my irate inbox messages at the end of the Abu Dudu Grand Prix, I will behave on here as requested. Actually, I rarely get that wound up to the point of using such fruity language to that degree, but Max has broken my spirit. 
for his completely selfish and narrow-minded, short-sighted behavior. I fully get that he is awesome, incredibly talented, and many times over the last few years, he has left me speechless with his undeniable brilliance. But he is still a dirty, selfish driver who cost his team a chance at an historic 1-2 in the standings. Red Bull may never get the chance again, and whatever the inter-team spat between Max and Sergio, Max had two chances to help, with letting Sergio pass in Brazil for a minor place, and in backing up Leclerc, when he had a superior race pace in Abu Dhabi. Even if Leclerc had got DRS, Max had a car advantage that day, and Sergio could hold off Lewis in the same race last year, and at other circuits as well. So if Max is the best, he could have done it, easily. What no one seemed to notice is that if Max had let Perez pass in Brazil, and then in Abu Dhabi, both Leclerc and Perez DNF'd, Red Bull had a 1-2 in the bag. Equally, the reverse could be said too. No one seems to be pointing that out, and I just don't get it. Max should be seriously dealt with, but he won't be. Formula One and Red Bull created another spoilt golden-haired child who has just been allowed to get away with some of the worst driving we have ever seen. Just review what he did to Kimi on the Kemmel Strait at Spa early in his career, and there was no punishment. So, to Lewis Hamilton. As always, I have to preface my digs with praise, and on many occasions this year, Lewis was amazing. In the car, but never out of it. His victim vibe soared to new heights with all of the worst car and worst season of my career talk. Try that shite on Martin Brundle, let alone 95% of all Formula 1 drivers in history. Let's be clear, he had many podiums, fought for wins, led a little, and compared to most, had a very strong season. Just compare it to Fernando. (laughs) But that would expose the lie that Lewis always has it harder than anybody alive. And when he won in the past, his loyal devoted disciples swore black and blue and defended him to death, stating it was not the car advantage, but the driver making the difference. Sure, he made a big difference, but how come this year... His downfall, oh, it is the car. Now, George certainly made the most of the car, didn't he? So maybe it is the driver after all. Oh, hang on, but that exposes the myth that Lewis is the goat. Latifi is the goat. Long live Gotifi. Some of the great disappointments of the year were the unreliability Fernando continues to have in his career, masking truly unbelievable drives for an old man. He could still be winning titles. Sebastian, though, finally got it, like most of us have for years and he retired. But strangely, he suddenly looked awesome again, on occasion. Another shocker for me was Gasly. Did he race this year? Where the hell did he go? Sainz has to be one of the sad stories too, despite getting his first pole and win. If he had started the year as he finished it, he easily could have beaten Charles Leclerc in the standings. But with a mix of misfortune, mistakes, and inability to adapt to the new car, Charlie got the jump early on, and what a jump that was on the whole field. By the Australian Grand Prix, I was bored and expecting a tedious season. Not that I would have begrudged Ferrari winning. I had literal money on it for the first time ever. (laughs) Note to self, do not gamble on your heart's desire. So, to Ferrari. How can they, year after year, squander the talent within? With the biggest budget and that historic bonus they enjoy for just rocking up. (laughs) No one knows. At the end of the day, Ferrari as a whole threw away a year that could have been, at the very worst, super close. So, let's look at some of the happy moments. And K-Mag getting pole in Brazil on a wet track where eight other drivers were in far superior machinery and on the same track at the same time meant it was no fluke. Yes, it was fortuitous, but all drivers at the same time had the same opportunity. And to see Haas get a pole was just wonderful. I couldn't stop smiling. Now, Ocon beating Alonso in the points, that's a big deal, if not a true indicator of what was really going on. George Russell getting that win in Brazil was just wonderful, wasn't it? Especially as it denied Lewis his win in every season record. And Lewis still cannot leave space when racing wheel-to-wheel. Somehow he still has this image of a clean driver when it's just not true. Yes, Max is worse, but (laughs) Lewis is not innocent. 
Back to George. He finally got what his talent deserved. He beat Hamilton over the season, but for me, he still makes a few too many mistakes. Then again, to have another winner in Formula 1 along with Sainz is good for the sport. Perez getting his first pole, Sainz and Russell too, were also great for the sport. But the best moment for me was seeing Fernando so competitive all year, even if for one reason or another he kept failing. I do not get the Aston Martin move, unless he knows something we don't. But if he thinks Ocon is favoured at Alpine, and a pain in his side, wait till he drives for Team Stroll. Sadly, Nando has continued his crazy personal difficulties, which only mask his amazing talent. Make no mistake, whether Mansell, Senna, Prost, Hamilton, Vettel, you name them, if winners are continually hamstrung, they bitch and moan. But for some reason, when Nando does, he is crucified for it. But with all the radio messages over the years, proving that both Hamilton and Vettel are just as petulant, for some reason, they get forgiven. Sadly, the sport lost Dietrich Matasic this year. His contribution to Formula One and world sport in general has not been rivaled and probably never will be. His legacy will live on. It was also sad to see Ricciardo potentially lose his Formula One career. Not that I ever rated him as a true number one, but regardless of his talent or lack of, his professionalism in never bagging the team or making excuses shone far greater in my eyes than his eight career wins. But to return as a third driver to Red Bull, it's baffling. Unless, like Nando, he knows something we don't. Finally, hmm, Red Bull. However they want to word it, they breached the cost cap, so they should be penalised heavily. And they were not, in my opinion. Firstly, if the sport really is wanting to reduce spending, then how is a $7 million fine in line with that logic? Simply, they should have just lost a significant amount of constructors' points, or been thrown out like McLaren were in 2007. Penalties, harsh ones, were promised. They were going to be so severe. But to a billion-dollar company, $7 million is chump change. And all this has done is to encourage people who can afford to pay the fines to cheat. Toto even said that. I doubt they really cheated, but rules are rules. And for a company as successful as Red Bull, making mistakes over a few free burritos to your staff is not a mistake. It's a joke. <laughs> Who leaked the information in the first place? Hmm, you can bet your bottom dollar that a Schwarzenegger impersonator with his victim sidekick were behind that. Yet, as always, they acted innocent in front of the camera. Now, for me, I hope Max and Lewis never win to the degree they have been again. I am tired of them on so many levels, despite their brilliance, because dominance kills the sport. IndyCar continues to be one of the best and most open racing categories in the world. And why? Because of relative parity, so the driver can truly make the difference. If Formula One wants to preserve history by allowing teams to construct and therefore gain advantages which lead to dominant eras, then they should stop changing the rules too. The cars, the tracks, etc. Formula One far too often is predictable and boring, no matter how much we love it. Thank goodness for the few races a year that spring a surprise, but they need to look at Indy. Formula One, as I often say, is like the most perfect looking woman, yet one who sadly lacks depth and character. But because she is hot, we look at her repeatedly, hoping she will give us what we want. IndyCar is Formula One's average looking sister, but with all the soul and character that makes her wife material, if you get the metaphor. Oh, I long for seasons like 1986. 1982, minus the tragedy, of course. And what about 2007 or the start of 2012? If Formula One wants to keep its new, short attention span young generation, they are going to have to fix the predictability, for there is just too much instant gratification competing on screens that we all carry in our hands. On paper, Formula One might be in a good place right now, but the Netflix vibe will wear off, and if we keep seeing dominance eras, we will lose more than we gain. I will still watch. I am a diehard fan. But I want, as we all do, great racing. And the cost cap will not fix that when the winners are allowed to overspend. There you go. 2022 is dust. Come on, Nando and Carlos. I want some Spanish fire next year. 
How about Perez too? Keeping that Latin flair alive. Ha! Dreams are free. Okay, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and a happy new year to you all. Bring on 23. This is Lucian Byfield with Loosh on the Loose. Ciao for now. Loosh, keep up the good work, the checks in the mail. Nas, give us some MM, por favor. Well, sir, what can I give you? Not much racing going on, but you know, there will be racing starting in, uh, in the UAE, the UAE Formula four series and what a lot what a lot of european young drivers who are coming out of karting are doing and this kid kimi antonelli did this early this year they go to middle east and they race there and then they go in january to new zealand to take part in the toyota racing series as it is called so there is more more motorsports coming up so it's not all over okay so let's see where we are today oh we have some points to ponder Logan Sargent, who has now joined Williams, will be the first American driver in Formula One since Alexander Rossi in 2015. The last American driver to win in F1 was Mario Andretti, 1978 Dutch Grand Prix. And the last American to score a point in F1 was his son, Michael Monza, 1993, on the podium in third. An important point to ponder. A statement from a double world champion that should be on the flip side of Glenn Campbell's big hit, Sweet Dreams Baby. The statement was, I hope to win the third championship one day. And I cannot wait for that day, if it happens in my lifetime. Okay, sir, now we come to famous last words. Today they come from man of the moment, Mattia Binotto. These (laughs) famous words were spoken to him by him on July 26, 2022, and I quote, There is no reason why Ferrari cannot win the remaining 10 Formula 1 races this season. End quote. Those were the words, racing reality on the track, zero wins. And of those 10 races, Red Bull won 9, and Mercedes, the purposing Mercedes, got one win. So a lot of talk has been, um, there was a rumor on the interweb that past Friday will be announced that he is no longer at Ferrari. Now they are giving him uh, like a way out according to Corriere della Sport, Italian sporting newspaper, that he will resign. Apparently he has fallen out of favor with John Elkan, who's the young uh, head of Fiat Empire, whippersnapper. But uh, he is still there at the time of this recording, but there is so much rumor that I will be very surprised and very strongly the man tipped to succeed him is Frederick Vasseur. And I think this is Charles Leclerc, Nicola Todd muscling their way into Ferrari management. That's just my opinion. Okay, because these the trio, Vasseur, Todd Jr. and Leclerc, they got a thing going on. What say you? You're absolutely right. It's the tot coup, per se. But yeah, Vassar's in. Binotto's out. He'll resign with some dignity and a good pension. And he'll get an old Peugeot station wagon as a gift. Yeah, he has been uh, with Ferrari for like 28 years. Something like that. So that's a long, long spell. Okay, sir... uh... As we know, for every loser, there is a winner, which brings us to Musical Mondial. 
Today we invite Peter Gabriel to the Palatial Studios for a tribute to the 2022 World Champion. Thank you for listening and please enjoy.